Welcome to the Bikepack Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike travel. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world, hear fantastic stories of their journeys. Through both mine and my guests' experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike travel and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. I want to thank Panorama Cycles, Redshift Sports, Restrap, Race Day Fuel, and Brockman Cyclery for supporting Bike Pack Adventures and helping to keep me on the bike. Check out the show notes for more information about these amazing companies. Thanks and keep on pedaling. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. Just this morning, I uh, I had the grand depart for the Canadian Shield bikepacking route, and it was really really cool to to have created something and have people there excited to to go out and ride it and explore and adventure and take on new challenges and. Um, although we're a very small group, I mean, the, the route is very, very new. So, um, yeah, there was just three people and one doing each of the different distances. So somebody doing a 400 and 1000 and a 1300 kilometer route. I got out there for about a uh, hundred kilometers or so, um, rode out about 50, 55, and then cut my way back home cross country and, uh, spending time with family and stuff. And that was just kind of a commitment I made was to, to not actually go out for the next few days riding and, but to be, um, engaged and with family. So yeah, no regrets there. It was, uh, it was a really nice morning though. And I'm super happy to get to actually, you know, um, have conversations and talk with and get to know the different participants and, uh, you know, um, make deeper connections than if there were a hundred people there or something. So maybe in the future it'll grow more and more and more, but for now it was really, really nice, uh, the way it worked out today. So for those three people out there, I hope you guys had a fantastic day and that, yeah, whatever point you made it to today, you're happy with your accomplishments and, uh, the challenges were worthwhile. Um, before we roll into today's episode, I will hit you with the intro. Here we go. Welcome to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. I'm your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you will be able to learn the ins and outs of bike touring and bike packing. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world, hear fantastic stories of their journeys, and through both mine and my guest experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike touring or bikepacking and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. If you're already an experienced bike tourer or bikepacker, I hope that my guest stories allow you to relive some of your own experiences and give you a good laugh or two along the way. In the meantime, enjoy the show and keep on pedaling. All right, and there you have it. Welcome back to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. 
And in today's episode, I'm uh, I decided to make an episode to talk about um, my BTXL attempt a couple weeks back, exactly, actually, exactly two weeks ago, and uh, to talk about learning through failure. Um, you know, it's I'm not one of those people that very often gives up on something. Uh, I can actually think of only one time where. Um, in an event or something I was taking part of where I actually gave up and that was a marathon in Singapore in 2014 um, some bad choices and uh, just kit issues led to some pretty serious leg chafing and I decided to to call it quits around the I think it was the 18 kilometer mark I was like pussing and bleeding and stuff so it was yeah it was it was not going well and uh, that pain from that was causing me to change the gait of how I ran, which was causing some serious knee issues and I didn't want to overdo it. And I was actually sore for a good month to recover my, my knees uh, from that. So I think that it was a worthwhile endeavor. And, you know, sometimes the smart move is to quit while you're ahead and not injure yourself some more. So this year, um, well, let's start off with last year. <clears throat> Last year in 2021, I did an ITT of the BT 700, which at that time was actually 760 kilometers. It has since grown to 790 kilometers and the BTXL grew, I think from about 350 to 380 or something like that. So just to give you an idea. And last year I rode an ITT and set an FKT, a fastest known time, which did not last long. It lasted about two days until the Grand Depart uh, started finishing up and Theo Kelsey took about two hours off of that time, which is admirable and it's awesome. It's really neat to to get to know people through that kind of success and counter success, I guess. And in that time, yeah, I feel like it's really great because, you know, um, I've made connections with Theo and Brockton Cyclery who are now sponsoring the the podcast and it's just been an amazing adventure and you know this year for a, I, I mean I really wanted to get back down south I really enjoyed the BT 700 last year it's in my mind the perfect mix of um, gravel and single track just you know really well spaced out and yeah man I absolutely dug it so this year, I thought, you know what, I might go there, do the BTXL, push myself even further. If I could take, uh, you know, the FKT, that would be awesome. Uh, definitely, I'm a very competitive person, so it's definitely something I, I had in my mind. And um, in the weeks leading up to the event, I mean, I everything was kind of really, <clears throat> excuse me, um, everything was go, 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 like, by the time I got my bike finished, my bike built, uh, my bike build finished, got out, did some test riding, packed my gear, got the bags for it, everything. Um, by the time this happened, it was just days before I had to leave for the the BTXL, maybe a week before. And <clears throat> at the same time, I was doing some plumbing for a friend, uh, just some tap work and stuff under their their sinks, and I tweaked one of those little tiny muscles in your lower back which made you know life kind of excruciating and terrible and um 
I got out for a few rides where it felt okay, but I could still feel it. So my mind was, you know, I'm going to go do the BTXL anyways, but I'm going to, I'm just going to keep popping ibuprofen and um, putting on some CBD oil, uh, like a topical cream CBD oil onto my lower back and hope that that just kind of keeps things loose, loose, um, loose enough, I guess. And, you know, actually it was working out all right. Um, it was a great, great morning. It was really cool. Like that was my first Grand Depart I've been to and there had to be like, I don't know, nearly 200 participants plus a bunch of cyclists from other local clubs that were coming out just for a day ride. And um, yeah, it was really, it was a really neat experience to participate in. I'd never been to a Grand Depart before. And, you know, people kept asking me like, so are you going for the FKT? Are you going for the FKT? And, and I kept saying, I'm not sure. We'll just see how I feel. You know, I, I didn't really go into detail about how my back was and stuff, but um, I felt like I also didn't really commit to it. I just like, I'm not sure. We'll see. I'm not sure. We'll see. Although in my mind, deep down, I knew I wanted to go for it. Um, it's just the kind of personality I am. And, but at the same time, I don't know, you know, I just didn't know how I was going to feel the next day. So all in all, um, yeah, that Sunday started off fantastic. I was uh, right out in the front with uh, a few other fast guys and we were just pushing our way for those first, you know, 200 kilometers until we reached Port Elgin and a little gap appeared um, between me and the lead few guys. Um, probably I think between five and 15 kilometers type thing. And I wasn't really pushing it too hard. I knew that that first day there was a little bit of headwind. It was quite flat, but at the same time, I, I didn't want to overexert myself and, um, I wanted to enjoy, you know, enjoy the grand depart. So it was really, um, a tough balancing act of wanting to race but also really being my first grand apart and kind of wanting to socialize and get to know people at the same time. So um, all in all, I don't think I managed that very well. So I think um, a big learning experience there is, you know, you got to know what you want to go for right away and go for it. So if I was going to be going for an FKT um, or attempting it, I had to be ready to go out and not stop, not take breaks. Um, just keep pushing it but that wasn't the case I was uh taking it a little bit easier um just enjoying it you know I spoke a few times with the the cameraman that was on the scene and just uh use those times to have some water and snacks and stuff and um I just felt the real need to to get to know people and connect that way so one second and a pause to cough but anyhow, um, yeah, by the time I think uh, I left Port Elgin and I was making my way through, ooh, I forget the name of the First Nations territory there, but making my way up towards, you know, kilometer 250 or so, um, I wasn't too, too far behind, but at the same time, I knew it would be, it would be a challenge to catch up, um, knowing that one of the riders up there was going with no sleeping gear at all, so he had the mindset to just push it straight through to the end. Although I know he did skip a section of, uh, he did skip the Carrick track at a kilometer hundred, I think cause on the maps it said optional and he probably wasn't aware that the, if you're, you know, if you're pushing in a racing mode, you have to do every inch. And 
I think he didn't realize that by skipping that, because it says optional, that he was basically just uh, giving himself a, a DNF in the sense of anybody going for an FKT or something. So, yeah, that was unfortunate. But the second place guy there, Brooke, um, was pushing a a real good pace. Um, and, uh, yeah, that is what it is. So then what happened for me... Um, my next big learning thing. At one point during the day, I realized that my phone had bounced slightly sideways on my quad lock, but I didn't really make much of it at the time. And I just kind of realigned it and felt it click in into its locked position and kept on riding. And at around midnight that first night, somewhere around the kilometer 270 mark, I believe that my phone fell off the quad lock. So it was probably on that section of Bruce trail or right at the bottom of the hill. When you hit those big puddles, one of them was quite deep and muddy and, and it kind of stopped me dead. And maybe that's where my arm or my leg or something hit the, the quad lock and knocked the phone right out into the water, but I'm not sure. So I didn't realize it until about six, seven kilometers later. And when I hit the main road, I came to turn on my phone screen just to check the time. And there was no phone. So that put me in a real dilemma and I decided to turn around and go back to that first big puddle. So I had to go through all the other puddles, which just got me more wet. And then I put my bike on the side of the path and I walked over through the puddle towards where I crossed the first time. And I slowly and methodically waved my arm through the muddy water through the mud at the bottom, just kind of feeling, feeling, feeling for a phone. And I probably spent a good, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes just in that spot, completely soaked, mud full of my shoes, full of mud, um, arm all wet, you know, right up to the elbow, kind of just sucked ass. And when I gave up on that spot, I then carried on up the hill with my secondary light, which was a good thing I brought because when you're on a dynamo, you know, going uphill, you don't have too much uh, light lighting. And I just kept searching and searching, kind of following the track I came down because, you know, when you look at the land, you could see like that's where I would have rode. And um, searching, didn't find it when I got to the somewhere way up the hill. I mean, I knew I could have kept going further and that's the problem, right? Is how much time you're going to spend. Um in hindsight, like my dad said, is like, why didn't you just sleep there the night and in the morning look for your phone? And I thought, you know, because in my mind I was still racing, even though by that point I really wasn't. So yeah, I probably spent another 20 minutes going up that hill and then down the hill slowly looking for the phone all along the ditch area, you know, on the side and no such luck. And um, yeah, and then I had to go back through the puddle for a third time. And I rode and I rode and I rode with completely soaked legs and arm. And uh, I could feel the mud and the sand in my shoes, which really sucked. And luckily, like a couple hours later, I came across a church and I checked out and I found a tap on the side and I was able to stop and take a little bit of time to rinse out my shoes, clean off my socks, um, you know, wash them under the tap and wring them out and put my wet stuff back on because I knew if I put my dry stuff on right then well they would just be soaked from the shoes so not much choice I had to keep riding and by the time like 4 30 rolled around I was pretty damn cold pretty miserable and 
the sun was just starting to slowly light up the the far distances of the eastern skyline and I decided you know what I need to have a nap but then comes the next dilemma is if I take a nap I don't have an alarm and I don't have a way to sleep for x amount of time like 45 minutes or an hour or an hour 15 whatever so in the end I decided to to do it anyways because yeah I, I just wasn't in a good head place and woke up like Two and a half hours later, I think it was 7.15. Obviously, really borderline out of contention of being able to do anything. I, I didn't know where people were ahead of me, so I couldn't tell like that Brooke stopped to sleep or I couldn't tell that uh, how far he was. And same with, um, oh, I think his name was Justin, but I kept calling him Jason or maybe vice versa. So if you're listening, I do apologize. But from Sudbury, J-Guy from Sudbury, uh, was also ahead of me and pushing a really good pace and at least he was at the last you know my last inclination and so you know I got up grudgingly packed up my stuff and put on some fresh socks which was really nice and started my, making my way towards um I think at that point it was I was past Owen Sound so I was making my way towards Meaford and I rolled into Meaford at just before 10 a.m. And at that point, you know, I was a, I was a broken man. I, I knew in my mind that it was over. Um, it was the first time I've actually gone through that kind of sensation on, a, on an event where, you know, I couldn't control myself as just tears are streaming down my eyes or down my face I should say out of my eyes um I was pissed off I was angry um and uh I rolled into Owen Sound or sorry Meaford and decided that you know what I just need something to drink so I stopped at the corner store and pounded a thing of chocolate milk even though I'm not a big milk drinker um I just felt like I needed something comforting and well chocolate milk is always that before continuing on with the show i'd like to thank panorama cycles for sponsoring this podcast panorama cycles is a bicycle manufacturer in quebec canada dedicated to backcountry cyclists that prefer gravel snow and off-road trails they believe cycling is a catalyst for adventures of all sizes and that there's no need to travel across the world or to be a seasoned athlete to live epic outdoor adventures over the past year, I've been riding the Chick Chocks fat bike, the Catadan gravel bike, and the Taiga mountain bike. From everyday rides, bikepacking trips, and a multitude of races and events, these bikes have put a huge smile on my face every step of the way, while also getting me on the podium on the Wendigo Ultra fat bike race and helped me set an FKT on the Canadian Shield 400. In partnering up with the Bike Pack Adventures podcast, Panorama Cycles also wants to give back to the cycling community, particularly you, the listeners of the podcast. By using the promo code BPA10 when purchasing a new bike from PanoramaCycles.com, you'll save 10%. For more information on their environmental commitments or to check out their bikes, head to PanoramaCycles.com. Now back to the show. And um, yeah, there I was lucky enough to... Actually, earlier I had met somebody as well that let me call my wife, but uh, at that gas station I... I was going to use the payphone, and some guy comes out and he's like, dude, you're not seriously going to use a payphone, are you? And I'm like, uh, I kind of lost my phone last night. And he said, here, use mine. I'll have a smoke. And so I called my wife and talked to her and kind of took her through my thoughts and that I wanted to call it quits. And she said, you know, 
give it a bit of time, go on up to the Tim Hortons, have some breakfast, see how you feel. Maybe, uh, maybe your thoughts will change. Um, you know, being the, in hindsight, she told me too. she's like, I wanted to just tell you, come home, you know, like, don't kill yourself. Uh, you know, things happen, but she's like, at the same time, I want to encourage you. And I didn't want to be that negative voice that tells you to give up when I knew in your heart that you really want to push it and you wanted to, to try to achieve, you know, um, greatness or whatever, you know, try to set a record or beat Theo's record. And, um, so yeah, so I had some Tim Hortons and then I had some more Tim Hortons and I think I had a Tim Hortons for like a third time. I must've eaten a lot of bagel sandwiches and stuff. And, and, uh, I did manage to call my wife another time and I told her that, no, I've, I've settled my mind. Like I, I know that I'm a no longer in contention. Um, maybe I could have beat Theo's time, but I definitely didn't think I would catch up to the guys in front of me and be that, um, yeah, I was just, I was done. Like mentally I was fatigued. I, I couldn't check things like track leaders, see where people were. I couldn't contact my wife when I wanted to. Um, I couldn't even refer to ride with GPS to check the route because, you know, Garmin's are not the greatest at picking up when you're off track. And by the time they do realize it, and then you're stuck turning around and you're riding. And if you don't get back on the track perfectly, it, it's just, uh, you know, they're not great. Um, I'm not a lover of my Garmin, but I'm not sure if, well, A, I'm not going to invest money in another device at the moment. So that is what it is. And going through the struggles of the previous year, riding some of those trails in the mono hills and the other areas south of it. I forget all those areas names, but <clears throat> it was quite challenging with, uh, with just a Garmin and I wasn't in a mindset where I thought I could do it again successfully in a way I wanted to. And so with my own grand depart coming up as of today, two weeks after that date in particular, and having some trail scouting to still do to, to make sure I finalize a few things. And, um, I kind of thought to myself that maybe, um, pushing it for another 400 or 800 kilometers of unknown without a, uh, without a means of communication, um, something that's really important to me, uh, to be in touch with my wife, you know, we have a six month old baby. So, uh, it's definitely an important thing. And I thought, you know, if I push this for X amount of time, I'm killing my body. Um, and, and then I might not have the energy or the time or the desire to, to do what I really need to do before my own grand depart. So I decided to, at that point in me for, to call it quits and figure out my, my return to St. Jacob's and what I would do and how I would, uh, extricate myself from this situation and what I would do, what my game plan would be, um, at the end of this. So we went so far as to looking at cost of rental cars because I was seriously mentally and uh, physically I wasn't too bad like when I rode my legs were fine I had some pretty bad chafing on the ass Um, should not have used the Brooks C17 I should have stuck with my B17 it's just a different kind of wear and tear on the ass Um, we looked at U-Haul costs to rent a one-way U-Haul 
Um, and then ultimately I just decided, you know what, I'm in farmer country and I'm just going to hitchhike. There's a lot of pickup trucks in the region and probably won't be too bad. And it wasn't, I think I had four different people pick me up along the way to take me to the next location closer and closer. And, um, every one of them were just a amazing, amazing for stopping and picking somebody up hitchhiking in this day and age, because a lot of people are paranoid about that. The first one was actually a 24 year old woman with a five month old baby in the front seat. And she was the very first car, very first pickup truck to pass me and stopped and said, well, I'm only going for about 30 kilometers, but I can take you. And I was mind blown. I was like, who is this girl? Like this doesn't happen in the big cities anymore. And, uh, only in the countryside and yeah it was just beautiful and we had such a good conversation talking about kids and hobbies and everything and and I, I could talk at length about all the different drivers um yeah of note the very last driver he wasn't even going in that direction but he's like oh where are you going and I said St. Jacob's he's like oh no my girlfriend lives in the other direction but she's not off work for another hour so I'll take you and he drove me for like 20 kilometers out of his way right to my car and yeah it was amazing we had really like it's just touching to see people being so willing to help um maybe i looked really pathetic like you know somebody who is completely broken um but yeah i got to the car and drove towards waterloo got a whole bunch of chinese food and just chowed down and got a good sleep and I woke up early in the morning and I drove home and I felt like yeah my spirits were way better but I was still a little upset I gotta be honest it's um it's hard to to plan for something like that and not achieve it but at the same time I I also felt like now in hindsight two weeks later that I didn't really I I shouldn't have I mean I, I really enjoyed going to the Grand Depart but maybe in that in this instance, I should have gone to the Grand Depart and just had a bikepacking adventure. You know, rode the 800K in like four days and just meet people and converse and share in the passion. Um, it can't always be a race. And that was uh, something I, I did take away from that. And <clears throat> yeah, and and I knew that like, you know, based on my lower back issues and mindset and stuff I I probably should have not thought about setting an FKT or going that fast and and just uh you know tried to enjoy the moments more although I did enjoy the moments that first day I met so many many amazing uh people including Brooke who set the FKT and shattered the FKT he 48 and a half hours was wow uh unreal and uh, looking forward to having him on the podcast here to share some of his passion as well. And <clears throat> yeah, and some of the other J-Man from Sudbury, um, Len, who is going with the no sleep idea. Um, I think he pulled the plug about 150K before the end, but did an admiral job. Like that's a long haul with no sleep. And especially going through the Blue Mountains met a few other cyclists um don't remember all of their names one guy was glenn or len can't remember there was a len in it l-e-n anyways maybe it was glenn or len uh really nice dude and his buddy they were riding together and um yeah just really great people um 
all in all, it was a it was a fun time in hindsight, um, and I learned a lot from that experience. I also learned that I'm I'm a very social person, sociable person, which is probably why I do a podcast. And um, grand departs are not necessarily the best for maintaining that competitive mindset in somebody who's very sociable. So my own learning experience dictates that if I were to go back and I hope to at some point to, to take on that challenge again, it would definitely have to be as an ITT because then I could focus the entire time on what I need to do and not really, um, you know, I, I, I can't, it's, it's hard to juggle between um, mind, racing mindset and, you know, podcaster Chris Panaski want to talk to everybody mindset. So by, by doing an ITT, I kind of completely take out one of those, uh, one of those, uh, what's it? I don't even know the word I'm looking for, but one of those factors. <clears throat> Anyhow, that is the general thought process that I've gone through in the last two weeks. And, um, I feel like I learned a lot from it. And today when I had my grand depart, I, I did ride for, you know, 55 or I don't think it was quite 60. Oh, maybe it was about 60 kilometers with the, with the, uh, the adventures that were taking on the challenge. And, you know, we kind of, uh, it was a small group and we all stuck together for that whole time. Later on, they would be splitting up for sure, but everybody has their own goals. But at that point, those first, uh, first half day, we were all together and it was really nice and just have time to, to chat, like I said earlier, to, to each individual person and um, learn some amazing things about different people and their passions. And uh, so, yeah, I, I got rid of the racing mindset for one day at least and it feels good. And that's it. I hope you guys enjoyed my, I don't know, 20 minutes or so or 25 minutes of... Um, rambles rambling and uh talking about my own uh failures and how to grow from it right because i think uh it's okay to fail as long as you learn if if you fail and you don't learn anything and then you do the exact same mistakes again then there's a problem but if you fail at something and you take away something good from it i think it's not an issue so hope you guys enjoyed talk to you soon Uh, i should be releasing a podcast within the next few days and uh keep on peddling i want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments i regularly receive from you it really helps motivate me to keep going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories if you have comments or questions you can email me at chris at biketouradventures.com or go to the website biketouradventures.com and shoot me a message through the contact form you can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, blog posts, videos, and the Touring Tips page. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you're enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash bike tour adventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, helping me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and continue to produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated, and keep on peddling. I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me and keep me going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. 
you have questions or comments, you can email me at bike at bikepackadventures.ca or go to bikepackadventures.ca and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, bikepacking routes throughout Canada, blog posts, videos, and touring tips. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you are enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash bikepackadventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, help me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated, and keep on pedaling.